Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 108 of Radio 815, the podcast dedicated to examining the works of writer, director, producer J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. I'm Matt Crandall here with my co-host Marcelo Inostroza as we continue to dive deep into Fringe season three. Today, we are going to be talking about the 14th and 15th episode of that season. The first episode we are talking about 6B aired February 18th, 2011. Written by Glenn Whitman and Robert Chiapetta, directed by Thomas Yatsko. Marcelo, would you ever live in an apartment building that clearly was designed by Ivo Shandor? I really love this episode because this episode does two things. It really focuses on the relationship between Peter and Olivia, but it also focuses on what grief does to people and how they react to it. So that in itself, I found fascinating throughout this entire episode. I really, really enjoyed it for the most part, except for a couple things here and there. Yeah, it definitely, the Peter and Olivia stuff is the most interesting to the overall building blocks of the show. But I did like this weird dynamic that we're seeing that people who are not Cortexafan people might be able to cause rifts in the fabric of the universe. And the thing that drives it in this instance is their collective grief and longing, which was a very interesting turn to take. And I like the way that this episode opens, which does give me heavy Dana Barrett Ghostbuster vibes where like stuff is just going on in this apartment building for no reason. You know, the margarita machine is acting up and Soon, I'm sure, eggs will start cooking themselves on the counter. But before that happens, six people fall to their demise because a balcony disappears. And I thought that was a nice, cool, gruesome beginning. And they do a fake out with the girl having an allergic reaction and then cutting to all these people just falling out of the sky. And it's not raining men, it's disappearing balconies. And I thought that that was really a cool and intriguing way to get us into this and having our team have to figure out why this particular apartment is basically got this thin, thin, thinning layer between the universes and how to stop it results in them obviously digging deeper and learning about what's actually happening. But Walter realizes that the only way that we might be able to stop this is the same way the other side has been stopping it. And that is with the Amber. And so he has to get massive dynamic involved to see if we can recreate this amber that Walternet has been using for years. And he knows that the moment they deploy this, it is a, a no turning back moment. So there is a lot of internal struggle with Walter where they are going to have to take the same steps that Walternet has taken and him evaluating himself against Walternet and wondering if this is worth the cost was the most dynamic stuff of the episode for me. What are you thinking as we find out that Walter is going to the same lengths that Walternet already had to do? I really like that because it shows us that when our Walter is possibly going to be thrust against the wall, that he's able to make these types of decisions. A couple of weeks ago, we were sort of 
shown that he had the capability of doing that, but I wasn't too sure. But this episode really illustrated to me that if Walter has to do something horrific because he has no choice, he needs to do this horrific thing to save a large group of people or Brooklyn, for lack of a better word, he will go that step and he will do the impossible choice. But I really like how this impossible choice in this situation of possibly having to encase this building in amber made Walter feel that he had a little bit of Walternet within him. And I really like how he questions himself after uh, the ordeal of this episode, specifically just before the episode comes to an end, he has a scene with Nina Sharp. And I really like what I really like the emotional anguish on his face as he explains to Nina, am I just like Walternet? Right. But, you know, Nina tries to calm him down and Nina basically says, listen, you did what you had to do. You, ha- you didn't have another choice. Yeah, he he didn't. And I do like that struggle where he voices that concern, because we know he's been dealing with a lot of this moral implications, but also feeling inferior to Walternet and wanting those pieces of the brain back, thinking he can't defeat this man if he's not smart enough. He's also wondering, does he have the stuff? to take on this guy when push comes to shove and knowing that he has done some questionable moral stuff in the past and he doesn't want to go down that same road because that is what drove the wedge between him and Peter. And now that Peter is back, that's going to cause a whole another can of worms. So I do like when he's voicing those concerns, that's one of the better character moments of the episode. The other one being where Peter and Olivia are looking into this building and There's a moment where they are at a bar and they basically share a kiss and Peter glimmers during the kiss and it kind of sets Olivia off. But she talks about how she gets what it was like for Olivia and how all of this is so confusing because she knows that Peter did nothing wrong, but he did everything wrong and how Olivia is incapable of basically trusting him again, lowering her defenses, that kind of thing, and how it's very tough going forward for them to get back to where they were because of what happened. And because she knows that Folivia is the alternate her and she understands the draw, there's still like these lingering feelings hanging out there because those two haven't had any sort of closure, really. And so I just thought it was interesting that they do share that kiss and it's not the moment of reconciliation that Peter kind of leans in thinking it might be, it actually almost further divides them. Peter did everything wrong. He should have known better. But with my feelings aside, I really feel for Olivia in this episode because she missed a whole section of her relationship with Peter. And I feel that she feels somewhat guilty for everything that happened to her and to her relationship with Peter. So I understand why she wants to close herself off even more. Number one, because of the horrible ordeal that she had to go through. Number two, because the man who she loved betrayed her and, you know, and and basically slept with another with another woman, despite that other woman being an opposite doppelganger of the same person. I really connected with... Olivia's need to 
forgive or Olivia's need to shut down and close off a little bit more. Because if I was Olivia, I would keep Peter in the doghouse just a little bit longer. Now, am I crazy? I think I'm crazy. Well, you're not crazy because certainly he has done stuff that is borderline unforgivable. And it does make sense that she would want to not drag this out, but certainly not let him off the hook because it is so painful and she's still experiencing the ripples of emotion throughout. And speaking of the ripples of emotion, that is what they determined to be the cause of this universal rift, because as they realize and they start to dig into this building, the Rosencrantz building, on our side, we find out that if you flip a coin 10 times, which is actually something from the play Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, it comes up the same, it comes up as heads. And so they realize that through a shit ton of exposition that this old couple um, flipped a coin and the husband went to go do an errand and on this errand he died and the wife has now been abandoned. And on the other side, in the same apartment, that same couple flipped a coin and it came up the other, it came up tails and the wife ran the errand and the wife died. And so these two people who have a deep connection to each other on two different universes in the same place of the same time, feeling the same grief, loss, and longing for each other is what is causing this activity. So they have found a way to open this universe-crossing thing up to spend time with each other, and it appears to them as if like a ghost is visiting them. And rather than deploy the Amber right away, they do send Team Fringe in to try and talk this woman out of doing this anymore and they say look you're not going to believe us but if you keep talking to your dead husband the universe is going to collapse and she's like haha no i'm just gonna do what i want to do until they have their ghostly interaction and they both because the the wormhole or whatever opens up and they're shimmering they do look like ghosts to one another and she's talking to her husband and finally he says something that doesn't line up with this universe which is a great moment where he says, the girls miss you. And she's like, bitch, we never had kids. Shut it down. (laughs) So then she's like, I don't know who this guy is, sir. I don't know you. And uh, luckily fringe team doesn't have to deploy the Amber, but us realizing that this emotional connection between two people is enough to tear a hole in the universe. And these are just two nobodies. These are two old people. What if it was a, relationship between two people who actually have strengths and powers i don't know like a peter and an olivia or a peter you know so i think that that's something that we have to consider now moving forward that we didn't think that people could open rifts in the universe without cortexifan power but we're seeing that sometimes you know as huey lewis says the power of love is a serious thing, you know? So we, we got to take that into account as we move forward. I think the B story in this first episode that we're talking about really shows us what the power of connection between two people can do and what the power of love can do to our universe. And if, and if two people aren't on the same page about a subject vis-a-vis loss, it's possible that our universe 
can be ripped apart and the alternate universe can be the only one that exists. But I really connected with this B story because when my uh, mom passed away, I wouldn't I would have given anything to see her one more time and just tell her a few more things. But I got to a point in my life where I, I realized that wasn't possible and I had to move on. I wasn't I wasn't lucky enough to have somebody like Olivia Dunham telling me, listen, you got to let go. But just seeing that poor woman on our side suffer over the death of her husband was really, really affecting to me because I connected that with the loss of my grandmother who uh or my grandmother slash mother, I thought that the first episode that we're talking about this week was very effective to me on multiple levels because I really love what I really love what they did with the Peter and Olivia stuff this week, but I really love what they did with the B story this week as well, and what it says about how people react to grief. Yeah, it definitely is one that hits home for a lot of people and is very understandable that when people are grieving, you know you you shove logic and all that kind of stuff aside to try and get any sort of emotional healing, which is, is definitely interesting and captivating for the B story of this episode. As we move on to episode 15 entitled subject 13 written by the heavy hitters, Pinkner, Wyman, Goldsman directed by Frederick EO toy, Marcelo, who are you meeting in a field of tulips? Uh, this episode, well, first of all, I'm meeting Olivia Dunham in a field of tulips. This episode was goddamn amazing. First of all, Matt, before I start talking, I have to just ask you a question. Do you like the, the younger versions of Peter and Olivia in this episode? I'm going to be super honest and people know that I don't necessarily love the younger versions. The younger version of Olivia, fine. The younger Peter. I was wishing that he would just drown at the beginning when he tries to go through the ice. You piece of snot nose shit. Just stay at the bottom, buddy. I really enjoyed the performance by the younger Olivia in this episode, particularly because I really liked the way that she reacted to her father abusing her and what what happened to her as a result of her father abusing her as a result of her father you know, kicking the shit out, kicking the shit out of her, which no child, which no child should ever have to endure. She was able to jump uh, to different universes, but the whole Peter thing, and the and the actress who played the younger version of Peter, I did not like him at all. I thought he was, I thought he was little bitch. Um, because look, we know that he was stolen, but there has to be a point where you have to accept your surroundings and you have to accept your reality and i really thought that it took peter a long long time to do that the only time that i really thought that he accepted his reality was when he saw a young you know he saw the younger version of olivia olivia was able to calm him down and having him be the one be the one to figure out where olivia went after she ran away i thought was a stroke of genius but it really took a long time for the uh, for the younger version of Peter to calm down and, and accept his surroundings. Yeah, it definitely did. And I will say, when we did the first 1985 episode, 
and we got a lot of the backstory of Walter Walternet. I absolutely loved it. And now that we're returning to that same time frame with the same retro beginning, at first I'm like, okay. And there are moments of this episode that I really like and appreciate the backstory. But there are quite a few moments that I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? Did everyone know each other during the past and has forgotten that they knew each other? Peter and Olivia didn't know that they had a run in as kids. Peter didn't know he was stolen, even though it was a fucking months long trauma. He's blocked that out. There's a lot of stuff that I feel like I have to now buy that is a huge, huge buy in in terms of coincidence and and forgetfulness that I'm like, I I was not loving a lot of that stuff. And then finding out that the only reason Walternate knows about the alternate reality is because of something Olivia did. I'm like, fuck you. I, I don't like that. We're laying, we can lay everything at Walter's feet, but now we're laying part of the blame for this universe war at Dunham's feet because she crossed over momentarily and gave Walter the idea of where our Peter, his Peter went. So I was really struggling with this because I thought a lot of it is interesting. I like, I do like seeing, especially Olivia at the school with Walter. Walter knowing that her father is abusive and being so off the rails that because that activates Olivia's power, he's not going to change the dynamic at first. And I thought that is horrifying and shocking. And that is new degrees of us realizing how bad Walter used to be. So that goes to us appreciating how reformed he is now but snot nose peter not being able to accept his new scenario and trying to basically kill himself to get back to where he was is a bridge too far for me to take i understand that a kid would be if he knew he was taken and knew something was off would be upset but then i also think if the people that he's with look like his parents and are being nice to him and the situation is not evil or sinister I'm surprised that he couldn't let it go or move on because the dude's a kid. It's not the same as an adult. Now, that might be giving kids short shrift and not enough credit, but we've seen this Peter. He's a dumbass. So I, I part of me is just like, uh. so there's a lot of stuff in this when we see Peter and Olivia's connection as it goes is nice. But the fact that we're pretending when they're the first two and a half seasons, we didn't know any of this information and either did the characters. It just feels like you're lumping a lot of stuff that feels new to a recipe that didn't call for these ingredients. To move to your point, I really think that this episode does a lot of unnecessary reckoning with the whole backstory of young Peter and young Olivia knowing knowing each other when they were kids. Like you said, if they knew each other when they were kids, how come when Olivia kick, how come when Olivia came to get Peter in season one in Iraq, how come that didn't pop up a memory in Peter's head? Right. Did he, did he bury it down so bad that he sort of like blocked it out of his head? I don't, I don't believe that because even even as a kid, like like I've had traumatic shit happen to me when I was a kid, and those traumatic things, as much as I try to bury them down in my soul, they still pop up every now and then. So I'm not able to suppress those memories. So I wouldn't 
I can't buy that a dumb kid like a young version of uh, Peter Bishop would be able to do that so much to the extent that he doesn't remember the blonde girl that he, you know, had a talking to in a field of white flowers. The other thing that really pissed me off, I'm beginning to notice as, I, as we're going through this conversation, where did that, where did that, where did Peter get a cinder block from? Like, and 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 what was his plan? Well, you know, did he think, okay, I'm going to drop the cinder block into the ice. The ice is going to crack. I'm going to fall through, and I'm instantly going to go to where I really belong. What what would have happened if he would have froze down there, and he wouldn't he like like he drowned? First of all, he's not fitted with cortexafan. So how the hell is he going to jump? Like I don't I don't get it. I really loved the performance by the actress who plays um peter's mother i thought her performance was great i loved every single thing that she tried to do i i i just loved it it was good and it gives us a lot more framework about how things fell apart between walter and elizabeth after peter had been brought back on our side because there has been all these questions you know, what really went wrong, especially because Elizabeth was part of the reason why they kept Peter. And then the fact that we know that she killed herself years later, we've had a lot of question marks and blank spaces that needed filling in. And this fills a lot of those in. And the way that we cut between this side's Elizabeth and Walter and the other side's Walter and Elizabeth and seeing their struggles was a really nice and interesting dynamic and is one of the, that along with the Olivia and her situation is the strongest part of the episode. And it really is just that I really bumped against, yeah, young Peter carries that cinder block, which if you've ever met an 11-year-old, if you gave them a thing and said, carry this for a mile, <laughs> they're going to last about a 30-second and then just be like, I'm out. I'm exhausted. Forget it. I think he thought that because he came out of the ice with Walter, he would go in and it would be like the gate in Stranger Things at the bottom of the lake that they would just go through it. So he doesn't realize that he's going to kill himself. But I feel like even if Peter has trauma that makes him forget all of this stuff as an adult, and, Elizabeth, and Olivia has trauma that makes her forget all of this stuff as an adult, when we go back to Jacksonville to the school in a previous episode, there is no way that they could both be there and not have that be triggered in some way. Like Peter realizing, I've been here before and I hung out with a blonde girl, especially because they know that Walter ran this and Olivia was there. The fact that we revisit the decrepit site and nothing sparks in Peter is the part that I bump against hard. You know, I've been critical of the episode. It is entertaining. We do get a lot of great moments that do add to the mythology in a good way. But compared to the previous time we went to 1985, was one of the best episodes of the series. And I feel like they teed this up thinking that's what every fan was going to think. And I'm sure there are fans who think Subject 13 is one of the strongest, but that ain't me. It's just, I, and as a guy who, who can get with a Star Wars where everyone is somebody's grandkid, it's surprising that I would bump against this, but I do. And um, I I do like those small moments though. Those small moments, Especially if the kid who was playing Peter was better, it would have played even stronger when him and Olivia have this connection 
and them meeting in the field and all of that would would be a little bit more emotional. But I do think that seeing Walter, his interactions with Olivia's stepfather and how they know what's happening, he's not going to intervene, but then he does do sort of the right thing. You know, he he tells the guy, like, we're going to call social services if this kid gets frightened or uncomfortable or beaten up or whatever. So I like that he does do sort of the right thing, but he doesn't take it as far as he could have. But it, it adds those shades so that we appreciate how far Walter has come now compared to where he was. And seeing Walter Nitt realize what has happened and the beginning of his journey into obsession in what he believes to be a war that they have to fight was very interesting. I think the thing that made these two episodes play very, very differently for me than they did for you is I love what these two episodes, because these two episodes have a through line in my opinion and the through line for me in these two episodes are how do we, how, how do we, deal with grief and how do we get over that or how do we deal with that or how do we make it so it doesn't hurt so much but with that being said you mentioned it if the writers knew that they wanted to do an episode like this all they had to do was when we went to jacksonville the first time all they had to do was have uh the grown-up versions of olivia and peter have flashbacks to their younger versions if they would have done that the first time that they would have uh the first time that we went to jacksonville and we saw the school this episode would have worked much better i agree even if it had just been something like a look on peter's face and him kind of then looking at olivia like maybe you know just a a a look that would have said like maybe we actually had an interaction as children but that would be something like I'm sure they never knew they were going to do this episode back when they did that because they didn't put those breadcrumbs in. And it's fine. I do appreciate that this gives us enough character backstory and motivation for what's going to be, you know, a very dynamic back seven of the season. But usually Fringe doesn't pull things that make me go, huh? They don't do a ton of retconning in as obvious a way as they do here. Usually if they do any small retcons, it's very subtle, but this is like they were trying to sneak a huge one past us and we were looking right at them. You know what I mean? So that's the only thing I bump on, but everybody does, you know, John Noble is incredible in this episode and having that duality of cutting back between this Walter and Elizabeth and that Walter and Elizabeth really gives everybody a chance to shine shine and shimmer for some but i just thought that 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 was the strongest part that i would rather focus on rather than you know people can yell at me in the comments about how much i bumped against those those things there's one more thing that i thought was going to happen this episode that i just want to run by you and to, to hear what you think i really liked how this second episode really informed it sort of gave me a reason for walter's wife on our side committing suicide because i thought that this whole event everything that happened in this episode really would lead to her committing suicide and i thought that we were going to see it in this episode do you think that would have been too far or or like or like 
like like would have would that event really have saved this episode for you in some way? No. If if that had happened within this episode, it would have made me hate it even more. So I like that we know that it happens, but I feel like if it had happened, especially when we do see that she says to Walter, like, this kid is struggling. He doesn't trust me. I'm his mom. What can I do? And he's like, you're not his mom. He's like a guy who looks like our kid, but he's not our kid. And she says, yeah, like, I get it. But what kind of life is this if we're just, you know, keeping him here, but he's not happy. And so I thought we see the emotional toll begin for her again in relation to Peter. She already had a huge emotional toll when they lost their Peter. And now this is an entirely different emotional toll that it's going to take. And we see the starts of that. So I'm glad that we didn't have a scene where, you know, she locked herself in the bathroom and took a bunch of pills because then I would just be like, well, if we had seen that moment, it would also, that could have explained why Peter blocked all of this out. If, if he had walked in and found her, after all this happened, then he could go catatonic or something and forget it all. But we know that Peter wasn't really there when his mom killed herself because of other information we've gotten in other episodes. Like he found out that this happened. Um, so I, that could have been interesting. But my initial reaction is, oh, God, please don't. <laughs> so that will do it for this episode of Radio 815. If you're watching along with us next week, we'll be talking about episode 316 Oss at episode 317 stowaway so that is the homework if you guys enjoy anything we do here and like the show please like rate follow subscribe watch on the youtube radio 815 um everywhere you find podcasts you can find us tell your friends if they like fringe they should start a rewatch and they should start listening to the episodes if you want to get in touch with us you can use the hashtag radio 815 on twitter you can reach out to us on twitter at jjuniverse815 I am also on Twitter at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, Twitter is a good spot to reach you. How can the people do that? I'm at Creek Fanatic 88. Thanks very much for listening. Until next week, Radio 815 over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.